It is bright. Welcome. Nice to see all you people, like the all four people in the front row that I can see. Okay. So, um, you know, let me get started with a little, uh, you might be wondering why this is here. So I need a volunteer. Brian Sype. Okay. Okay. See, I didn't see any other hands. School teacher trick right there. So I am loving my life as a school teacher for, as he walks slowly up here, for 13 years at Parkway and then you know, 18 years, I, this was the best first week of school I ever had, okay? I tell you what, I mean, it was, it was something else. I, it was a little sad dropping Josiah off, but then I drove away, and I'm like, all right, what am I going to do today, you know? Go out to eat, you know, go to church, whatever I need to do, you know? And I didn't have 98th graders, you know, screaming at me and all that energy and stuff. So it was great. And back to school night, I did get asked. I did get asked. Okay, this is a little side note of everything, okay? This isn't what I need you for. Uh, but they, I did get asked, how does it feel? And I told him I thought it would be rude if I skipped through the hallways when I was there back to school tonight. So feels pretty good to be here using my gifts and so forth. And I got a very talented person here to help with this, okay? All right? But they couldn't make it. So I got, do you like Twixes? Okay, now I have no idea. What is it, they were telling me, four right, what does that even mean? Like they said something about the right side of the Twix. And then the other one I had was four left. So the left side. The, do Twixes have a right and a left? Do they? I don't know. Like, so this is four right. Okay, so if you can do this right, all right, you'll be left with a four right Twix. Okay? In this tub here, yep, sits a Bible. Oh, don't look that too much. Okay. And you have, you're, I'm going to give you ten seconds to find the Bible in the tub when I say go. Don't, you know, you can't, okay? All right, on your mark, get set, go. Oh, hey, stop. <laughs> okay, time's up. You lost. There's another Twix in there. That's the left one. Okay, well, that would have been. <laughs> there you go. Sorry, you, you lose. Okay, all right. Thanks, Brian. All right. Now, yeah, all right. Isn't that sad? Okay. Depressing, right? Okay, so, no, yep, he didn't win. Sorry. Not everyone gets a trophy. All right. So, we're going to get started here. All right. So, okay. So, um, we're going to be reading in 2 Kings um, chapter 22. You probably want to find it because it's a, a little bit confusing with all the names. So either I purposely, uh, I hopefully I don't purposely mess them all up, but Second Kings 22 will be there, and we're going to be talking about um, the story there of a guy named Josiah. So, so I hopefully my son Josiah will know why he's named Josiah after this sermon. So... But that wasn't my original goal. So it's 2 Kings 22. Now, uh, if you're familiar, I'm going to get, all right, if you're familiar, go ahead, you can shuffle a few things in here. Okay, so, nope, there we go. Got it, okay. All right. So, 
the kings in the Bible. Now, the United States, just so you know, if you don't know your history, the nation of Israel is the reason why the United States is set up the way it is. No king. Right? That's why we have judges. That's why we have uh, the Congress, and then we have a president. It's, set, it's been modeled what was in the Bible. And so the nation of Israel had no king for the longest time, and then they started whining. We want to be like the other guys. They got kings. That looks cool. And then God said, fine, I'll give you a king. Saul, he, was, he then did not our Lord, went to David, um, and then went to Solomon. And then pretty much after the, that, it fell apart. Okay. It all fell apart for the kings. All right. So Solomon brought in, he is the wisest man in the world. He thought it would be wise to have like 300 wives and 700 concubines. So he, I don't know how that makes him the wisest man in the world. But his, with his 300 wives, what he did was political affiliations. He'd be like, hey, how about you give me a wife and we'll make a peace treaty and, you know, so forth. And he would do these with all these different places. But then what would happen is as he married these women from other lands, he brought in their gods, or they brought in their, their gods, and they started worshiping those other gods then uh, for a time, and, and that really went from there then, everything went downhill in a hurry. I mean, this wasn't like 10 generations and they started falling off. Pretty much it was David, and then Solomon, kinda, and then uh, Rehoboam, or however you say it, and then they, the nation ended up getting divided then. And then they had a northern and a southern kingdom. And the northern kings, none of the 20 kings honored the Lord whatsoever. Okay? Then the southern kingdom of Judah, they had a very rare, but they had a few kings that honored the Lord in there. And so that's where we pick up here uh, with this story a little bit. Um, It's about 400 years after King David was around. Let me take those off for now. Okay. All right. So second... Hey, I, I'm in Chronicles, but okay. I'll get a second king. Hey, there we go. I got it. That was pretty good. All right, so second Kings 22. Um, Josiah was eight years old when he became king. Now, just so you know, his dad was assassinated, and then he ended up getting moved into power at eight years old, and he reigned for 31 years. His mother's name was Jedidiah, daughter of Adiah. She was Boscath. She was from Boscath. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and walked in all the ways of his father David, not turning aside from the right or to the left. And that's one of the prayers for my children right there, uh, that we, they do not turn from the right or to the left. Josiah might actually remember that verse. It's inscribed on a, uh, a knife I gave him on his 13th birthday. Uh, but in the 18th year of his reign, so I don't do a lot of math anymore, but 18 plus 8... He is 26 years old. Thank you. All right. King Josiah sent the secretary, Shaphan, son of Azaliah, the son of Meshulam. I'm going to do my best with these names. To the temple of the Lord. He said, go up to Hilkiah, the high priest, and have him get ready the money that has been brought into the temple of the Lord, which the doorkeepers have collected from the people. Have them entrusted to the men appointed to supervise the work on the temple. So they're fixing up the temple is what they're doing. Finally, it's like, hey, the Lord's house, we ought to fix that thing up. We got all these offerings that came in. We're going to use that money to fix it up. And have these men pay for the workers who repair the temple of the Lord, the carpenters, the builders, and the masons. Also have them purchase timber, dress, and dress stone to repair the temple. But they need not account for the money entrusted to them because they are acting faithfully. 
That still jumps out at me right there, even though that's not part of the main part of the sermon. But they need not to account for the money entrusted to them because they are acting faithfully. Like they had so much trust in these men, they're like, eh, you don't really need to account for the money. Just kind of <laughs> makes people go, whoop, I'd be a little nervous about that. Although I did think about the fact that we've had people like Todd and Nancy handle the money for however long. And I think one of the things I always was, I was never worried about was with them, you could just trust them to act faithfully. And so... Uh, you know, I do see how there's people that you know, and you go, yeah, I can trust you with that. So they were entrusted with that. But then let's, this is where it picks up here. Um, Hilkiah, the high priest, said to Shaphan, the secretary, I have found the book of the law in the temple of the Lord. He gave it to Shaphan, who read it. Then Shaphan, the secretary, went to the king and reported to him, your officials have paid out the money that was in the temple of the Lord and have entrusted it to the workers and supervisors at the temple. Now, this part just kind of, just picturing this happen in my mind. Then Shaphan the secretary informed the king, Hilkiah the priest has given me a book. And Shaphan read the book in the presence of the king. Now, I think about this, like, they, they, what they found here was the book of the law, all right? So the book of the law, just so you understand, is what we call the Torah. And it's really the first five books, right? Genesis, Exodus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, right? Those five books. So they found it, all right? And somehow it was so lost that they didn't have any clue what was in it. And so they read the book, okay? And, and I picture them coming up. This is what happens at work when you figure out something that's not quite the way it should be. Some of you would know. You go up, you t timidly go in, uh, boss, I think we have a problem, <laughs> right? You might want to take a look at this, you know, and that's kind of what I picture happening here. It wasn't running in, look, 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 look. It was almost like the shame that they knew, oh my gosh, like what, the, they hadn't read anything. Can you imagine not knowing Genesis? I mean, really in our lives, we can't, but if you have never read Genesis, Exodus, the Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, especially Genesis and Exodus, you wouldn't have a clue about how the world works. You would have no clue. That's what people who are lost, who don't read that, they have no clue. All right? So if you can, in your mind, think for a moment, existing on this earth, not knowing the in the beginning, all, right? all that story, right? And so they didn't have that. So it's read to him. When the king heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his robes. Now, to tear his robes, all right, you'll see this sometimes if you watch movies like The Chosen or something. They'll, they'll grab up here in the robe, and then you'll see them pull, and they rip it, and it rips right down their chest, right through here. So somebody who tears their robes, one, the robes are very expensive. To do this is not something you do every day, all right? Um, but, uh, and they didn't just go to Walmart and get a new robe or something like that. It would have been made again, all right, handmade again. And it's a sign of deep grief. Like a broken heart. So when he reads this, he realizes that they have not been following God whatsoever and his word, the book of the law. And he is completely grieved. And so he tears his clothes in a sign of great angst and grief. Uh, and so then he, he gave these orders to Hilkiah the priest. So what does he do with that information, right? I'm not honoring the Lord. Okay, we'll just keep going, right? Some of you can relate to that. I know I'm not supposed to be doing this, but, all right? And so 
Uh, that's different than what he does here. He gave the orders to Hilkiah the priest, Achim, son of Shaphan, Akbar, son of Micaiah, Shaphan, the secretary of Isaiah, the king's attendant. Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for the people and for all of Judah about what is written in this book that has been found. Great is the Lord's anger that burns against us because our fathers have not obeyed the words of this book. They have not acted in accordance with all that is written there concerning us. So he read the book. The book clearly says that if you don't honor me, destruction awaits you. So he knows the Lord's angry without asking the Lord because, again, if we read God's word, we already know, all right, we don't need a special revelation from God to know he's going to be angry. But he does say, they knew there was a prophetess, and so they were checking that out then. It says, Hekiah the priest, Achim, we're in verse 14, uh, Akbar, Shaphan, and Asiah went to speak to the prophetess Haldah, who was the wife of Shalom, son of Tikvah. Those are really good words here. The son of Harhas, keeper of the wardrobe. She lived in Jerusalem in the second district. There's a lot of names. She said to them, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Tell the man who sent you to me, this this is what the Lord says. I am going to bring disaster on this place and its people. According to everything that is written in the book, the king of Judah has read. Because they have forsaken me and burned incense to other gods and provoked me to anger by all their idols, by all the idols their hands have made, my anger will burn against this place and will not be quenched. So, so it's clear judgment is coming. But then he says, tell the king of Judah who sent you to inquire of the Lord. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says concerning the words you have heard. Because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before the Lord, when you heard what I have spoken against this place and its people, that they would become accursed and laid waste, and because you tore your robes and wept in my presence, I have heard you, declares the Lord. Therefore, I will gather you to your fathers, and I will be buried, uh, and you, excuse me, you will be buried in peace. You will be to your fathers and Your eyes will not see all the disaster I am going to bring on this place. So they took the answer back to the king. That is so important for us to understand. So because he was responsive and humble. So when God speaks, and you know, right, and we respond with humility, then disaster did not await him, right? That is so important for us to understand. And think about our country today. Is it any any sort of evidence that maybe disaster awaits us? Any clue that we might be heading down the wrong path? I mean, I don't know for sure. But I know when I flip on the news like once a month just to see, just makes me think, right, or any headline I read, just seems to me like we just might be a tad off the path, right? So, of course, more than that, I'm being facetious here okay um now what did he do after this then right so he heard this word what did he do just say okay hey you know in a way he already knows he's in good he's going to live in peace right what did he do after that did he just retire at whatever age that would be right 26 say all right i'm gonna hit cruise control retire now nope he began going through all of israel there All right, going through the temple and destroying everything that was an idol. All right, all sorts of idols. They had gotten so evil that they went and they would sacrifice to Moloch, which was like child sacrifice to Moloch. 
right? They had become such an evil society that they were willing to kill babies. Hmm. We can't relate to that, right? We, and, it, and so they were foolish to think that judgment wasn't coming upon them, right? When a society accepts that evil as normal, judgment is coming, right? But he said, not here, not in my house, okay? I, and he went through and destroyed, and it had to be a tire, tiresome process, and even killed the people that were the, the mediums and the spiritists. Some of the either banished them or they were killed. And, and what I think, a couple different things I read here, but verse 14, if you jump in chapter 3, verse 14, I'm not going to read the whole chapter because there's way too many words there, right? But um, by the way, if you think this message is long, remember what they did? They read him five the first five books of the law. You're like, oh, you're reading one chapter to me. I'm used to a couple verses. I don't want you to read me a whole chapter. He, he heard, and they, and they read to the nation, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. I haven't timed it out. If anyone's ever read that all in one sitting, you know, like it would take hours just to read all of that to them, okay? And so they hear these things. So, um, you know, this is pretty short reading here. From there, But in verse 14, I think this is where he says, um, it says, Josiah smashed the sacred stones and cut down the Asherah poles. I love that word smashed. And then covered the sites with human bones. Interestingly enough, in about 300 years earlier as prophesied, that's exactly what somebody would do. God said, somebody's coming along and they're going to do it. I wonder if Josiah read that prophecy and was like, hey, that's me. You know? Part of me thinks he does because he did it over human bones. But maybe... He just did it because the Lord put it on his heart to do it. Either way, he smashed things that were idols. He made sure that things were not honoring the Lord were destroyed. All right. So, um, and then also he says in uh, the end of this chapter here, okay, um, in verse 25, it says, um, Neither before nor after Josiah was there a king like him who turned to the Lord as he did, with all his heart and with all his soul and with all his strength in accordance to the law of Moses. And we'll get to that here in a second. But how does this happen? You know, what, you know I was praying about what to uh, preach on here this, this week with you guys. And I was really praying about it. And I woke up one morning to somebody sending me a text of a, a picture uh, that uh, really sparked, like, okay, Lord, like, what should I pray on? And this is what they sent me. Okay, this is called Four Generation Fade. If you can see it okay here. All right, so this is four generations how we see. Parents don't make church a high priority for their kids. All right, second generation, kids grow up and make it less of a priority for their kids. Anyone relating so far? Next generation, those kids grow up and make it no priority for their kids. And then finally, those kids grow up with no concept of God. Priorities today impact generations. And that just hit me so hard. That's hit me so hard. I even think about the nation of Israel. King David, Solomon, Rehoboam, if I say that right, and then the nation was split. And then at that point, they weren't honoring God at all. It took four generations to do that. So a lot of you have that tradition where you have the great-grandpa, right, and then the grandpa, and then the father, and then the son, you know, you got four generations, and we see what's called a slow fade. Now, in the other service, no one was familiar with the song by Casting Crown, Slow Fade, or they didn't raise their hand. All right, I'm sure somebody in here knows the song. Who knows the song, 
Cats and Crowns slow fade, right? Okay, you got to look it up and watch the video. It's pretty powerful. It's actually, if you watch the video, it, it makes you think about adultery, all right? A man who is unfaithful to his wife and the slow fade of every little choice, all right, leads you down that slippery slope, all right? And eventually you're there. But it's not like a, whoop, you're there, okay? Same thing the nation of Israel, all right? And time and again, you'll see that slow fade, right? Just slowly eroding away, all right, until you, know, you have a canyon, so to speak, all right? So that song, though, is about infidelity, unfaithfulness. You say, well, that doesn't fit here. Well, the Bible, the Old Testament, is absolutely clear that the one thing it compares the nation of Israel is God's chosen people. We're God's chosen people. And when we're unfaithful to him, our first love, he, com it's compared, he compares it to infidelity, to cheating on your spouse. Because we are the bride of Christ, it says. We are the chosen people. And so if we worship something else other than him, he's comparing it to an affair, infidelity. And that's what he's saying that happened with the nation of Israel. So I want to see if we can't uh, give Brian another chance here, okay? Brian, get out of your rocker, buddy, okay? All right, so, all right, all right. Okay, I want to give Brian another chance, all right? Just roll that out of there. Okay. All right. Thanks, Pastor. All right. Oh, come on, Brian. Okay. No peeking now. Okay. I'm going to give you 10 seconds again. Okay, buddy? You got 10 seconds to get your, your Twix. All right. On your mark. Get set. Go. Whoa. We found it. Everyone give Brian a hand. Okay. Wow. Wow, Brian. That was so impressive. Yeah, you'll go right. You want to go right, yes. <laughs> okay, you're uh, all right. Thanks, buddy. All right. So there you go. Now he's got it. Okay. All right. So why I might have made it a little bit easier for him. Okay. He doesn't know this. Don't tell him, you know. All right. But it was no longer buried in the bottom. Uh, in the middle of a shirt. It was set right on top where you can clearly see it, okay? means it was the first thing you saw when you opened it, right? Now, when I originally did this, I thought about it being an empty tub the second time. Like I was thinking, I'll do it as an empty tub. We don't live in a vacuum, all right? These, if you think of this as our commitments to life, right? Okay, that's, we don't live in a vacuum, and so it's just not on the top of that. Now, in Scripture, there's one more Scripture I want to look at. It's really Deuteronomy 6. I want to look at here. So if you want to turn there, you can. Um, but if you're familiar with Deuteronomy 6, they call that the Shema. If I say it right, okay. Um, they call that the Shema. And, that, and it's a prayer that they would pray daily, twice a day. And it's not just completely there, but it's a prayer that they would pray. And it's based upon what you see in Deuteronomy 6, okay, 4 through 9. And so I imagine when, I know King Josiah uh, knew this because of what it said about his life. But, so in verse 4 it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are up on, to be up on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Emphasis mine. Talk about them when you sit at home. And when you walk along the road, 
when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Are we doing that? That's Old Testament. That's, that's old stuff. Okay. No, this is, well, I'm pretty sure Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, right? And then love your neighbor as yourself. He reaffirmed that in the New Testament. That's what we're to be doing. But it's talking about the fact that it's the front and center of our lives, okay? And it, is that what we're doing? And this message is for you, okay? Not your neighbor, but for you, okay? Because if we really look at our own lives here, all right, we don't have the Word of God front and center with what we do. Okay, we have other priorities that we have, you know, I think of football here, you know, football starting up, NFL Sunday, okay, all right, now do we watch football? Sure, we can watch football. Can we play fantasy football, Chris? Yeah, because we might be having a little fantasy football league going here, right, you know, so, so for, for the first time in years, but the thing is, for years I didn't play because it became a, a god for me, I would be like obsessed with stats, you know, <laughs> go figure, right? Um, but, you know, or even money. Hey, by the way, Carlton Sheets, this is old DVD or VHS my dad had, I found, how to real estate. If you're interested in those, I'll sell them to you cheap, okay? Um, you know, we can be our own, our food, random sock. I mean, okay, but that we have all these priorities that we have in our life. Is the Word of God the first and foremost thing that is the center and on top and the guiding force in our lives? And the answer is, for many of you, it's no. Most of you, I, I, I'm going to just throw, go throw out there, say, for most of you, it's no. What, well, I'll give you a test. How many of you opened the Word of God this week outside of church? You can raise your hand if you want, okay? If not, you don't, and some of you have, right? How many of you then have that scripture out somewhere? Your Word of God is somewhere public, right? Because what happened in the, in the temple, it's like they, they tripped over the word of God, right? And they're like, oh, what, what's this? There's a scroll probably, but they're dusted off. Whoa, you know, what is this, right? Some of you might be similar to that in your own home, right? Pastor's going to come over for lunch. I better dust off that word of God and set it out, okay? But, you know, do we talk about these things? Do we impress them on our children? Impress them. All right, put them on our children. Not just, just kind of mention God in a flippant like, oh, yeah, God, this, that. That's not, let me be absolute clear. All right, that is not honoring to God. Just flippantly say his name and think you're being spiritual. Okay? That's what the mistake and a lie that we believe to just somebody sneezes and you say, God bless you, and you think you're walking with the Lord because you just said, God bless you when somebody sneezed. Okay? Like, that's, that's and, and that's a reality for some of you. You actually think that that's spiritual, okay? But just mentioning God's name is not. It's bringing the word out in our home clearly so people know it. Our home knows where we stand, right? The thing is, I'll tell you, and I say it time and again, at home I'll say, you know where I stand, okay? There's no guesswork about where I stand about what my priorities are, okay? And, and so we are to honor the Lord first and foremost in all that we do. And we put that word, we, that word out in front of us. We talk about them all right, when we sit down. When do we sit down? We sit down to eat a meal. Right? When you eat a meal, do you talk about anything that has to do with the Lord? Okay? And the answer for many of us is absolutely not. Okay? 
One of my biggest complaints about public education, okay, there's lots of good things, okay, but one of my biggest complaints is I think it trains us to not talk about things of the Lord. From the time you go to school, you don't talk about God. We don't bring that up here. We don't talk about that, right? I wonder if God has a problem with that, right? God-free zone, right? Like, I wonder if, like, wait a second. Is God real? Like, is he the one that created us and we don't talk about it and we're trained then and if you look at our society we are very well trained to not bring up the things of the lord right and, and so to to say things like and it feels awkward all right it feels awkward to say hey can i pray for you is there anything i can pray for right because we've been trained that that's not normal all right hey is the lord teaching you anything did you learn anything did god does that feel so weird for many of you to think about saying well, God taught me something. Did you learn anything from reading scripture? All right. You know, those, that feels so weird for so many people uh, to, and they miss out on the, and what God has for us. And so I want you to really think about that here. Um, you know, um, I, I think about when you're driving. I'll give that one. So one of the things with driving, I always love driving my kids to school. All right. So past eight years. Uh, you know, Josiah and I would ride to school together, and of course the other kids, but for Josiah and I, eight years running, we would ride to school together, we'd ride in the, tru- uh, ride in the truck and talk about things, and we'd listen to sermons and, and so forth, okay? And we have discussion. In fact, uh, I realized, looking back, Josiah accepted Christ in my truck in Kenton, Ohio, <laughs> uh, when we were uh, driving to go um, get cows, <laughs> And so he started asking all these questions. And just like the Ethiopian eunuch said in the Bible, if you're familiar with that story, says, why don't I just get baptized right now? It's kind of that thing. Why don't we pray to receive Christ now? So he pulled over into a church parking lot in Kenton, Ohio, and prayed to receive Christ as a Savior there. All right? Those are the conversations that were taking place. But they feel so awkward for so many people to even bring those things up. All right? Now, um, I mentioned driving to school. This week was really chill for me, you know, really kind of quiet in my office here. You know, there wasn't too much going on um, and pretty relaxed, unlike any other, except for one moment Tuesday morning that was not quite so chill. After I had dropped Josiah off at school, I'm driving on 33, which, of course, you know, 33 outside of Rockford's a death trap. Okay. And idiots, excuse me, I can't say that. I mean, people who aren't, you know, very responsible fly around and drive inappropriately how was that? Is that better okay and so i'm driving down 33 almost the 707 intersection just there and i am sitting my right a semi truck said cafe trucking on it no just kidding all right so <laughs> go it said amazon prime okay that's what it said i know and so i see it flying and I'm pulling up to it. And I immediately, luckily, was paying attention, not texting and eating a taco. And so I, okay, I slow down and I see, I'm like, I'm like, he ain't going to stop. So he gets up to that intersection. I'm like, he's going to blow right through it. Oh, no, he didn't blow right through it. He decided he wanted to make a right turn. So he gets up and then he realizes, oh, I got to turn here. Slams on his brakes. All right. And then you think it's going to go up on two wheels. I don't think it did, but it just, I mean, he was in the other intersection. If another car was coming, it would have been smack. You know, it was, there would have been no avoiding it whatsoever. That car wouldn't have even seen it coming because of that way that was. So, and I was like, okay, wow. Like, so that's what you call same day shipping, right? only that's sending you to heaven. Okay. So, I, all jo- 
Pause. Okay. Okay. All right. This is. All right. I tried to sneak that one in. I wanted to see if that would work. Okay. But all, all joking aside, we are one second away from meeting Jesus, and we never know when that is. You are one second away from meeting Jesus. And making sure that you are prepared. This is why I'm here. That's why I feel called to be here. You are prepared. I am prepared. My kids are prepared. My grandkids are prepared. Everyone in my life is prepared to stand before Jesus. Right? And making sure that I get right past the awkward moment of, oh, I don't want to talk about things of faith. When I know their eternal salvation and heaven or hell stands in the being of that. Right? Each of my kids, right? Right? You know, just being aware that if I pass today, will, they, will I see them again? Have I put into them what they need to? If this life ends today, have I put into them? So I don't put it off, right? I had enough of my life to know that I'm not going to wait. And so I've talked to all my kids. I've talked to them. You know how you enter heaven. It's through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's your access point. Are you ready? We talk about these things, all right? Your friends, your coworkers, right? Those awkward moments we're afraid to bring up. Do we talk about those things, right? Because heaven and hell is what stands in the midst. And we're in the middle. Of God somehow uses us to proclaim, right? As he puts that burden on our hearts, he uses us to proclaim his truth. And somehow those people get saved. And they then are able to enter eternal life. It's amazing mystery, a miracle we can't quite understand. But he involves that in the process that we must do our part so we're not part of that four-generation faith. I'll tell you right now, for most of this, I see we're on three or four. I mean, like, we are seeing people just almost not wanting to walk. So it takes people who are willing to step up, willing to lead, and to willingly step out for those awkward moments for the good and the salvation of those around us. And again, and I'll tell you, if you're, if you're here and you're heading out, I don't want you to freak out when you see an Amazon Prime truck now, okay? But I want to make sure you have made yourself ready to know that you're going to meet the Lord. Make yourself right today. Surrender and receive the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ on the cross. All right? Tell Pastor or I. Tell the elders. All right? That's what we're baptizing today because we have five people who are going to proclaim that here today, what has been done, all right, for them. And let's make sure that we are all there. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you and praise you. Let us put the word of God before it in our homes. Let us, let us put it right out in front where everyone can see, all right, and that forgive us, all right, for many people here, forgive us for not doing that, Lord, and make today the turning point, the hinge that changes it, Lord, that, that it really is proclaiming you first and foremost, and forgive us for when we fall short, and thank you that none of us have measured up, but we have grace through Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus. Uh, thank you for the hope and thank you for that. We also pray for the people of Afghanistan and the people who don't have it near as good as we do right now, that you would comfort them and have the, your peace go and be with them now as those believers are struggling. Let us be there in prayer and financial support. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.